morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the godfather of cryptocurrency, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Gonzo, the Crypto Goliath, and Andrew Cashflow, also known as the Cashflow King. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how the mayor of Japan was in California this weekend visiting the new Ripple headquarters, as former comptroller of currency Brian Brooks had some bold claims in regards to the SEC lawsuit, claiming a settlement is inevitable. Tether slashes its commercial paper holdings, taking one step closer to being a true stablecoin, as we expose a document from the Federal Reserve explaining their understanding that banking is going digital. FTX is blocking a dApp similar to Tornado Cash from depositing on its exchange as the FDIC has filed a cease and desist against five United States crypto companies. Ethereum founder Vitalik Buterin has been critical of XRP. We explain why Vitalik is terrified of Ripple's success. HBAR is being used to create new central bank digital currency solutions, while Samsung has filed to create their own cryptocurrency exchange in 2023. With Crypto Winter debatably behind us, we discuss which projects will thrive during this next bull run. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. Very excited for this episode, Johnny Crypto. And we're going to get this thing rocking and rolling very quickly because we have so much news on this Monday. How you feeling, my friend? And thank you for making time for us. Well, first of all, good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there today and to our brothers Gonzo and Cashflow. Great to see you guys. It's always a great Monday. It's always packed with lots of information and, and news. So I'm excited to hop into it too, Abs. Can't wait to see uh, what we're going to talk about today or more importantly, uh, chat it up with the boys here. Awesome. Gonzo, I see you got the Bull Run sweatshirt on. It may be red in the market today, yeah. but we know a Bull Run is inevitable. What's on your mind, my friend? Thanks for making time for us. Yeah, good morning, uh, Abs. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, you know, it was a great weekend. Uh, you know, you know me, I'm 24-7, so I worked, did some research and stuff. But yeah, excited. Every Monday morning, I get up and it's I get so excited because I get to see you guys and get to do the show. And so, yeah, truly, truly blessed. And hey, when he says 24-7, he means he doesn't sleep. He just eats, works, <laughs> and reads. Yep. Coming yep. from Johnny Crypto, that means a lot because Johnny Crypto, I've never seen him take a nap. But Andrew Cashflow, you made time for us on this Monday. The market is red, but what's on your mind, my friend, and how you feeling? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm great today. Actually, had a wonderful weekend. Good morning, by the way, everybody. Love, love to see you all again and all the, all the listeners and viewers on uh, YouTube. Great. Uh, last, uh, you know what the advantage is to live, live near the coast? You, you know that. You can go to the beach. And that's what I did last weekend. So uh, it was an uh, excellent weekend again. Also worked a little bit on my uh, on, on the investor course, which will be uh, released uh, soon. So uh, busy, but also uh, relaxing. Very cool and very excited for this episode. We're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. At 3TGM Crypto, you get access to every member of our team. 1,657 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you guys. Johnny Crypto, the Fear and Greed Index is sitting at a 29. Nothing worth mentioning this morning, considering the market is severely fluctuating. We are sitting barely over $1 trillion. We are at $1 trillion flat right now. Bitcoin is 40% dominance. Ethereum is 19%. Bitcoin sitting at $21,200. Ethereum, $15,060. XRP is $0.33. Cardano is $0.45. Chainlink is $7. Stellar is $0.10. 
VeChain, two and a half cents. Hedera, 6.6. And Quant is $105 this morning. Johnny Crypto, a lot of discounts in the market. Cardano catches my eye. Quant at $100 catches my eye. What are you watching this morning? You know, other than those two that you mentioned, Algo's also another one. Uh, for me, it's, it's just interesting. You know, I kind of felt we would get pumped in this time period and we kind of got one in august i think we're going to get a little pullback here and then i won't be surprised my gut is i think we're going to get one final pump in september because they at least know all, all the people will be back from work once everybody comes back in hit that last dump on them and then it's over i think for the end of, to the end of this year that's what i'm thinking anyway but we'll see maybe i'm wrong and maybe maybe it's already over we're, we're gonna find out soon Gonzo, you see, I got the file coin pulled up, so you know I'm coming to you. What, are you, what projects are you watching, and how do you feel about this one in particular? I know you did some research this weekend and found out, found out some cool stuff. Yeah, you know, um, so I, I got some, like, you know, Johnny said, so I got some Algorand. Um, I got some, uh, uh, oh, I got some Sand and Matic because I, um, I go ahead and um, stake them on the Sandbox. They have their own staking thing through liquidity. Um, and then... What else did I get? Algorand. Oh, and then what, what we're talking about now is Filecoin, right? Yeah. So I've always been kind of big on um, storage, um, decentralized storage, right? Because we always talk about the metaverse and that, um, you know, you're, they're going to need a lot of computing power and storage, right? So usually um, I've done a lot of research and leaned into Rweave and Render. So that's what I hold. Uh, but I started kind of doing some research on Filecoin. I was more looking at some of the price action. Uh, it was down for like, I think 25%. So I decided to get a little bit. Um, and I think, um, you know, I'm going to keep doing some research and keep doing um, some more. Um, I know Arweave originally had attracted me because they had a partnership with um, Solana to go ahead and back up all of their um, transaction history. Uh, but I found out this morning on the drive-in, I was listening to different things that they might've switched it up and gone to um, a Google-based platform so um, I need to do some more research on that. But yeah, definitely, you know, check out data storage. Just try to cover all my bets, right? Um, you know, you know, there's so many different things that you can get into in crypto, uh, whether it's like the metaverse stuff, the play to earn, data storage, security, payment systems, all that. So just trying to diversify some. Awesome. And I do want to address what Quant's been doing over this weekend. Johnny Crypto, I'd love to have a discussion. BitBoy actually put out a video this weekend, deep diving on the utility of Quant. And he brought to my attention that 17% of the float is actually owned by the CEO in the managing department who's responsible for the DLT distribution, right? He claims that there's a lot of room for manipulation. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on the price pump we're experiencing now. We're up to $105. Everyone's upset because we're down from $125. But if you look at this price chart, we were at $40 just a couple of weeks ago. Now we've pumped all the way up to $125 and getting a little bit of regression here. What are some of the things you're watching and how do you feel about quant long-term? Well, so that's the real question and the only question that matters, right? In long-term, for you guys out there, you know, I personally love coins that are going through technologies that are going to bridge uh, and more importantly, be an enabler for this industry as a whole, like TCPIP was for the web. Um, I think this quant or maybe Chainlink, or there'll be there'll be one or two, I think, interoperability coins or technologies that will lead the way. And I think quant is trying to position themselves to be that one. What I love about quant, why I really like it, is it has a very, very low max float coin supply. Um, they're trying to build the relationships they need. Um, so I love that about it as well. So I personally think that in the long run, this is a coin that I want to make sure I've got in my bags. I continue to add it. 
Um, so I, I'm not disappointed, but you have to understand it's up 300%. <laughs> We're 40 to 120, right? So the people are going to take profits. People aren't stupid. The elites are going to take the profits. Um, so you can you can take a profit here and try to figure out where the bottom is to buy back in again. Or what I'm doing, frankly, because I don't have a lot of these. They're expensive. I'm just holding on to them, the ones I got. Because I don't care whether it's 120 today or 80 tomorrow. Because I really think that this thing has the potential to go to four digits. I think we're looking over a $1,000 coin here, right? So I, I'm not going to mess around and risk to make a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars now and then miss out on a huge upside two years from now if this one becomes the, month, the, the one. What's really interesting, I did a TikTok on this actual coin. There's a bot. Real Vision has a bot that tracks. Uh, first, they do a survey of all the um, exchanges and which coins are being held. The number three one. <laughs> was quant so it was ethereum bitcoin and quant which was shocking to me and it's bot which has been outperforming the market builds its own portfolio and one of its main holdings in it was quant so something's going on you know, with quant. i like some it. people I, stack quant like it's bitcoin and i know a lot of people yeah. that invest that way that they they're, they're long-term holders of quant and they just keep buying it because they believe in the future so they treat it like it's bitcoin Awesome, guys. And if you're enjoying this content, show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to dive into the news for today. And this article, well, I think it's very fitting for our episode as we have the Monopoly game showing the bank never goes bankrupt. Gonzo, any quick comments on this episode? We actually brought Mark Yusko on the show last week, and he talked about how one of the things that the Fed does is they specifically create inflation. Well, they never run out of money, so that's an easy thing to do. What are some of your thoughts on this, Gonzo? Yeah, um, I, I mean, it's funny, right? Uh, because sometimes like the way uh, games like emulate real life, the same thing with movies. Uh, and I, I think he's spot on. Like I don't have an economics background, but um, what he says um, while I was doing a lot of research and a lot of interviews with Mark Yusko makes a lot of sense. And he's not the only one. There are other people um, that are in that macro environment, financial world that kind of say the same thing, that the Fed, it's the Fed that causes inflation, right? That it's the Fed manipulating, right? CPI is something that uh, um, is like a lagging indicator, like lagging months behind. So why would we actually use that to determine where, where inflation is, right? There are so many more efficient ways to do the things that they do. And, and the reason why um, they don't do those more efficient things is because they want to manipulate the market. That, that's just my opinion. Andrew Castle, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to comment on the Monopoly news, but we're also showing a chart right now of what Bitcoin did from 2018 to 2021. And it looks like we're about to go into a long-term consolidation here. We're going to slowly trend up, maybe hit that 40, $45,000, $48,000 range, then continue with our bearish cycle. That's what this chart is showing here. RSI is extremely low. What are you watching, Andrew Castle? Um, what I'm watching is actually a little bit uh, the, the, the the high lines in for, 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 for Bitcoin, Ethereum, and also a little bit. I look at Solana because it's a little bit an, an outsider, but also a, a major coin. Um, what you see is that Bitcoin is now from its recent high, it's down 50%. And it looks like it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's holding support there. Um, Ethereum is down 20% from its recent but yeah, short-term uh, high, and it's also holding. However, Solana is, is dropping a little bit uh, through, through the bottom at, at this moment. So it's very interesting to see what, what those, coin, those, those coins are actually predicting in the market and what they are doing, because the rest of the market is just following Bitcoin and Ethereum, and of course, those other coins also. Um, one thing I'd like to share with you is, uh, you know, I, I told the other day I'm, I was investing in Disney because 
of the, their NFT potential. I just took last week in, a, yeah, actually I invested some money in, in Disney. It went up rocket high, took 20%, 25 uh, uh, profit, and it went directly down. You know, that's the power of having an entry plan and an exit plan and a strategy. And you just take 25% like it's nothing. And it always hurts if you think it's going up again and, and you take profits. And then two days later, it drops. You say, I'm the smartest man in the universe. <laughs> exactly, Johnny Crypto. If anybody knows about exit strategies, it would be Johnny K. But Johnny, before we dive into that, I want to show our listeners the article you sent me last night. As the FDIC issues a crypto-related cease and desist order to five companies, including FTX US, the FDIC ordered five firms to cease and desist, issued a crypto-related cease and desist order to five companies on Friday. The letters demand that the five companies and their officers cease and desist from making false and misleading statements about the FDIC insurance. They must also take immediately corrective action to address these false or misleading claims. This was very interesting because we know that a lot of these companies have claimed to be FDIC insured, but it's actually just a lot of the exchanges that they're partnered with are the ones that are FDIC insured. Johnny Crypto, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this article before we dive into some quotes. Yeah, so these companies uh, were were behaving on borderline of rat snake weasel behavior where they would lead you into believing that that these exchanges had FDIC. Everybody knows what FDIC insured money is. Most people do because of the banks, which basically means that you're covered till $200,000. If the bank loses money, you're going to get guaranteed to get that money back. So a lot of these exchanges were making it uh, like a little wishy-washy, making you believe that that was true um, if you were on their exchanges as well, which the FDIC roughly came out and slapped them, right? Gave them a fresh one, which is good and said, no, 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 you can't say that. That's, that's the kind of thing you want the the government to be doing is kind of clamping down on these guys that are that are you know acting like rat snake weasels i'm not going to say the exchanges themselves are but that behavior of trying to make somebody think you're doing something that you can't do that's that's not good that definitely that'll get you on the index the rat snake weasel index for sure it's awesome. a dollar uh what is it a day late dollar short for those voyager users right because voyager was one of the prominent ones that was claiming that they were FDIC insured. But if you looked at the fine print, um, you know, it was all something, you know, it was all in the way that they highlighted the vocabulary, right? They played the word game. Um, but when you look down in the fine print, you would see that they weren't really um, FDI insured. It was the banks that they deal with, right? Um, and so they were playing that word game. Uh, and so it seems like, um, I think Voyager was like really putting it out there and the other ones um, maybe not so much, but it finally, this is what, like, this is what the government's supposed to do. Things like this, right. We're warning them not to do that. So they don't mislead investors. And that's what I thought when I was reading this article, I was actually excited about this news that they're making this, this market more authentic, but Sam Bankman fried, who's the CEO of FTX and FTX us had a comment on this. He said, clear communication is really important. Comma. Sorry. He tweeted FTX does not have FDIC insurance. The banks we work with do, and we never meant otherwise, and apologize for anyone who misinterpreted it. To be clear, FTX US is not FDIC insured. That's a mouthful, Andrew Cashflow, but what are some of your thoughts on this article and the fact that US regulators are actually doing some positive things on the enforcement part? Yeah, you know, um, we, we see the same in, in, in the Netherlands or in, in Europe that you also sort of uh, yeah, bank, bank guarantee 
And if that that would be something that they can also apply on on, on crypto exchanges, yeah, that would be uh, would be of course would be great. And it's also a step into regulation, trust in the market, and maybe those also those institutional investors will come in because we're still waiting for the for the big flood of money into yeah in, in, into crypto. So yeah, you know, it, it's it's step by step. It, it it progresses slowly. But I think if we are yeah from now one two years further, see what all kind of steps we have made. So yeah. And in crypto, one of the things that everybody's talking about right now is stable coins. And we have some developments on the stable coin front as to top stable coin tether slashes its commercial paper holdings, increasing cash and bank deposit reserves. This is very bullish news, not only because tether is reducing its commercial paper holdings, but because it's becoming more transparent throughout this entire process. In the second quarter of 2022, tether reduced its commercial paper holdings from $20 billion to $8.5 billion, a decrease of more than 58% in just 12 months. The report was completed by a member firm, BDO, one of the biggest public accounting networks in the world. So that's very positive news. Tether says it plans to reduce the commercial paper holdings to approximately $200 million by the end of August and to $0 by the end of 2022. Tether also says it increased its holdings of cash and bank deposits by 32% in quarter two of this year. It's very exciting to see that Tether is not only becoming more transparent, but backing themselves with reliable assets. Gonzo, whenever we talk about stablecoins, we focus on USDC because they're backed by BlackRock and they're backed by Fidelity. But here, Tether's taking one step closer to being a reliable stablecoin. What does this article mean to you? Yeah, you know, I'm 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 glad that they followed through with what they're going to say, what they were, with what they said they were going to do, right? Because I think um, I the initial story happened um, that day that you were off, and I hosted the show. That's how long ago it was. We didn't get to it. But so it's good that they're kind of following through and that it wasn't all talk. Um, like we, like I've said before, I believe that um, Tether, when they first started out, they didn't have uh, what they said they did, right? And they were kind of just faking it until they got there. And, and I think they've reached a point now where they kind of have the backings and the holdings. And now they're switching out of that paper, right? That commercial paper. And they're becoming more like USDC, uh, which is cash and then treasuries. Um, so I think we're going to see more of this. I think they're making themselves more um, uh, more compliant. Um, I do think that it's going to be stable coins that probably get regulated first, right? We've talked about that. Um, and so I think they're setting themselves up so they're closer to that, so that they're more transparent. And then you have when institutional investors, the big money comes in, um, they're more appealing to invest in them, um, just like USDC is. Andrew Cashel, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this article. People, they've always talked about Tether being the center of a black swan event, but articles like this can reassure us that maybe not, right? And Johnny Crypto always says, if they're telling you that this thing is going to collapse, don't trust that. They never tell us what's actually going to happen. And he's been a very critical of USDC for that reason. How do you feel about Tether here? Connections to the black swan event and the fact that they're becoming more transparent. You know, Johnny is absolutely right. What, what comes to my mind is what is true and what is not true. You know, we don't know. Is this just an article about uh, yeah, pump, pumping or, or, or favoring uh, USDT? I would say if you can hold dollars, and in my case, euros, on a crypto exchange, keep it, keep it in, in, in real dollars and in real euros. And if, if you can't avoid it, for example, in a wallet, keep it in USDC still. And maybe last resort is USDT. But please do not take risks with, with these stable coins. 
they are so yeah not mature yet that yeah for me i'll keep my cash in, uh, in euros on, uh, on the on the major exchanges which they, they all pro provide that uh, that functionality and if i have an, a surplus of of uh of fiat money then i i put it back to my, my bank account Johnny Crypto, one of the things that we always see is when we get a bull run, Tether appears out of thin air. It can be a billion. It can be $2 billion. I'd love for you to talk about that. But what does this article mean to you? You've been critical of USDC. You, you haven't been an advocate of Tether, but you haven't been openly critical of Tether. So how do you feel about this stablecoin? Well, so it's funny. I literally just did a TikTok on this over the weekend called Tether Getting Its Shit Together because um, it really that's what it feels like they're doing. They've been under the gun. There was a fake article that came out saying that they were going to get sued by the SEC. That also sent some more fun around. But the reality is, you know, first of all, that BDO, that's an Italian company. So I'd be worried about that. But nonetheless, uh, the auditors for them. But the good news is the when you look at how they were broken up, they had like $66 billion. Um, and a, a large chunk of it was in U.S. Treasuries. And uh, but there's a portion of it that was in commercial paper. And that was the part that was catching a lot of grief by people about USDT because it was unknown what it's in. Like a U.S. Treasury, we know what that is. Cash, we know what that is. Commercial paper, we don't know what that is. It could be bad loans. It could be, who the hell knows what it is, right? And that's why they got knocked down. So they're smart now. They're saying, okay, this is the part that's unknown that people are concerned about. I think they had about $8 billion in commercial paper. And they're reducing it down, as you rightfully said. Uh, they want to get to $200 million by, I think, the end of this month and then zero by the end of the year. It's smart. Now they're going to basically be all cash or U.S. Treasury or that type of stuff. And that's our money market. And that's going to put them in a better position, at least from that position. Nobody can argue anymore that, oh, they got this stuff on the books that nobody knows what it is. So I think that's they're moving in the right direction. There's people in here talking about how USDT is going to crash. I don't believe it because if it was, they weren't going to be projecting and telling us a year in advance that it's going to happen. I think something else will crash, but probably not Tether. Um, but I agree with Andrew. All my stuff, when I have the ability, I put it, I leave it in cash or I leave it in USDC, not T, but C. I trust it more because I know who it's connected to. Awesome, guys. And we have 175 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And if you're not a live listener, be sure to smash it again. We're about to show you why we always say 2023 is the year of institutional adoption because we have a tweet from Brian Brooks. It says not widely reported, but there's been significant progress on crypto regulatory clarity over the past year among G20 nations. Lots of green and yellow here more than a year ago. Emerging consensus will drive much greater adoption. Tons of things stick out to me about this chart. But when you look at the Chinese column, they have absolutely no regulation except for central bank digital currencies. Andrew Cashflow, let's start with you. What sticks out to you about this list? Um, it's a process ongoing. That, that's what I can say about it. Uh, China, I don't understand at all because one day they, they allow, uh, for example, Bitcoin mining and the next day they, 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 they throw everybody Bitcoin miners, they throw them out. And then, uh, and now I also heard that Bitcoin mining is, is coming back in, in China. So what they are really wanting to do, I, I don't get the clue, but what I see here is at least that you can make a table like this that you say, okay, regulatory process underway, regulatory in place, that you can make a list like this for several counties. Yeah, uh, just emphasize the fact that adoption is underway and even countries are uh, yeah, really looking serious at, 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 at cryptocurrency, which is only good for us. 
Gonzo, another column that really sticks out to me is if you check out Japan, and we have some groundbreaking news on Japan connections to Ripple later in this episode, but Japan has every single column checked off except for central bank digital currencies. That's really great for me because it shows me that they're creating the correct regulatory guidelines for these people to flood into and for this technology to be used. What sticks out to you about this list? And of course, the United States is not on this list because it's G20 nations. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, that's what I was kind of noticing. I was trying to look at that and I was seeing that a lot of the green was in the Southeast Asia. Oh, sorry, markets. Gonzo. I actually, I got to correct myself. The United yeah. States is at the bottom of the list. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. And so, but like Japan is, um, you know, far, way, way far ahead when it comes to, to regulation. And so hopefully it's something that, um, you know, the U.S. can see that, um, that it's working, right? And that may, it's the right type of regulation and then follow suit, right? Because it seems like we've been lagging behind on this whole uh, regulation thing when usually like the U.S. is an innovator, right? It's usually ahead of everybody else. But um, in this case, it's one of those things where we're behind, right? Uh, but Japan seems the most crypto-friendly. Uh, Indonesia's up there. And it makes sense. A lot of these crypto companies are based out of those areas. So it would make sense that they would have a more clear regulation. Johnny Crypto, one of the only columns that the United States has checked off is the tax policy. Of course, we got the taxes figured out before the rest of the market, but we don't have central bank digital currencies yet. None of these columns except for China have checked off the central bank digital currency department. What are you anticipating here? What does this chart mean to you? Feel free to take this wherever you'd like. So when I look at this chart, I look at the countries that are leading the way. And if you look at the ones that have the most green, you've got Japan, Singapore and Switzerland kind of driving and leading this industry. And it's, you know, and in Japan has always been an innovative country. So no surprise there. Singapore, extremely innovative as well. And Switzerland is the banking capital of the world. So no surprise there that you see that now, obviously. And then in China, that's a little worrisome because China is going to be the, the world leader soon someday, probably within the next 10 years or so. And <laughs> everything's banned prohibited except CBDCs, which is the ultimate form of control. And of course, no surprise that Japan is leading the way there. That's frankly kind of, kind of to me. So that's what you see happening here is you've got two different kind of mindsets going on and you've got the innovative countries who are really moving forward. And then you got us kind of just lagging there in the middle. Of course, tax, we got that part figured out because they want their money, but it is kind of disappointing that we're way behind on the framework and stablecoin regulation. We need both of those. And we Johnny, know I can ask you work. one quick question, right? If there's one currency that has connections to Switzerland and Japan, what currency is that? Currency? Uh, or digital asset? I'm not sure what you mean. This freaking guy. It's it's hey. XRP, man. It's hey, XRP. Bro, X. Of X. course. And we actually it's have- Japan. You mean to Japan. That's what I said. Switzerland and Japan. Oh, sorry. I only heard Switzerland. No, yeah, yeah. So Japan. Ripple City no Mayor of Japan. About it. The mayor of Japan is actually in the United States this week visiting Ripple, and he's visiting their new headquarters in San Francisco. Ripple's VP of Corporate Strategy and Operations has shared a recent visit with Japan City Mayor, can't pronounce his name, to Ripple headquarters. This is pretty groundbreaking news. They said, we welcome the city mayor and his team to Ripple headquarters today. They are the leading city in Web3 initiatives in Japan, and they have highly connected ties to Ripple. We know that SBI is already utilizing Ripple, but the fact that they're, their uh, mayor flew into America, specifically San Francisco, to go and check out the building that you were at, Gonzo, I think it's very telling. But what does this article say to you before we dive into the meat and potatoes? 
Yeah, so I've been saying from day one, Japan is the number one leading. It's almost like where XRP was born. Like Japan is leading the way in it, right? We know that. And that's why I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't get excited whenever I hear XRP news tied to Japan. I expect it. What I want to see and what I'm going to get excited is when I start hearing XRP news, and I've already said this multiple times, in other countries. Because to me, I already know what's happening in Japan. I need to see XRP growing in other countries. You know, Yusko talked about this. There's nothing more important than adoption. And the, the team, the, the company or the, the technology that, that gets adoption first is more important sometimes in the actual technology itself. So the best technology might not always win if it, you know, if you're not getting there first. So there's, that's why there's something called first mover advantage, right? Um, and then usually technology wins in the long run, but early on right now, I want to see, you know, XRP continue, or Ripple and XRP continue to, to, to expand adoption of RippleNet and its ODL. And more importantly, when its ODL is being, adopted i want to see adoption of the odl using xrp because the odl can use other things other than xrp but what's exciting like in latin america what just happened in brazil and uh, uh forgot the name of the bank now they adopted the odl and they're going to be using xrp on it that's exactly what i want to see happening abs that is what gets me excited. you know what's crazy johnny is i forgot whose video i was watching but somebody basically went back and started looking at all the news stories of all the partnerships uh, with Ripple, not just the partnerships, but like what you're talking about is the use case and different banks and different countries. And when you look at that, like totality, I was like, damn, man, there's a lot like, you know, we like, I think last year when we talked about it, it you know, Southeast Asia, that quarter was really big. And then now I think it's the African nations and the Middle East. That's the theme of this year. But if you look at the stories and you look at everything that's being reported as far as Ripple growing and the corridors that they're building, it's worldwide and it's spreading, right? Hey, Not to hey, get you guys to FOMO in, but it's spreading. Hey, you, 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 US guys, if I would be in the US, I would be pretty nervous if I would be lagging so much behind on innovation. The rest of the world, they're all innovation, innovating like, like, like hell. And, and, there is a, 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 an organization called SEC and it's blocking innovation. I wouldn't be quite happy about that. Yep. Yeah. If you're outside the US, you're saying. Yeah. And I think to me, what's important, Gonzo, what you said is there's a ton of relationships Ripple's building outside. You're right. There's relationships everywhere. The problem is how many of them are leveraging RippleNet and ODL versus Ripple has other projects and products. And what I want to see is the adoption of its ODL using XRP. To me, that's the home run because that's what drives the volume. That's going to drive XRP to be at a certain price. And I, I just we don't I don't see enough of that. I want to see more of that. To I, I should say that's what I'm looking for when I see Ripple building relationships because that's good for XRP. Now, if you are fortunate enough to be an accredited investor and you can buy Ripple through the IPO through Link2, I think there's a link down there for that too. Then it's good. In general, if Ripple's doing anything, because now you're going to benefit from Ripple, the company, versus Ripple's, you know, product that they've created, XRP. They're two totally different things, and there's two different value creations for each one of those. So the ODL will drive XRP value. The adoption of other Ripple technology will drive Ripple's value. And so I personally own both and want to own both. But to get excited about XRP, you want to see the growth of the ODL using XRP, in my opinion.
Awesome, guys. We got 195 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We are going to show you a very interesting quote from the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve provided banking information for crypto banks looking to engage in their master accounts. And one of the key quotes from this article talks about how crypto can be used to advance the banking sector, which is connected to XRP, right? So the quote is, the emerging crypto asset sector presents potential opportunities to banking organizations, their customers, and the overall financial system. This is very interesting because they called it the crypto asset sector. They didn't say currencies. They didn't say securities. They said assets. Gonzo, I'd love to start with you. The fact that the Federal Reserve understands what digital assets can do for the banking industry, it's a given, right? It's cheaper. It's faster. It creates a frictionless environment. What does this mean to you that the Fed is actually admitting that they understand this stuff? Yeah, you know, finally, right? Because I, I don't think that we ever thought that they were just like sitting by and then just letting this opportunity pass them by, right? We've been talking about CBDCs now for a while. They definitely know what they have here and they see how, you know, Coach talks about this. We talk about this, right? About how, you know, um, banks are going to start, you know, um, they're, they're going to start having their own wallets and they're going to start yep. um, holding your crypto. Our, our, yeah. Custodying. That's what I was looking for. Custodying our, our cryptocurrencies. Right. Uh, and that we're going to have more of a connection to the central banks. Right. Um, yeah. This is how they move us into the fi new financial system. Right. So um, yeah, this is nothing new. Right. We've known that this was going to happen. We've known that they're going to shove CBDCs down our throats. Um, and this is just how they do it. Exactly. And I think that blockchain innovative chart was a great example of that. Andrew Cashflow, I want to kick it to you because we know that the Federal Reserve is supposed to launch the ISO compliant. It's not the Federal Reserve. Sorry. The ISO compliant tokens are supposed to begin their launch in November. Full implementation is going to be in March, March 10th of 2025. The Federal Reserve is clearly aware of this. So what does this article mean to you that they know banking is going digital? You know what, what come to my mind is finally awareness is coming and awareness and they also admitted that they are aware and here you see something like the, the the old saying if you can't beat them join join them you know it will yeah. be additional on and off ramps it will only be good for the adoption of the of the crypto uh, atmosphere because first there's always something like first you ignore something new then you laugh at it because you make fun about it then you try to fight it and then finally you join them and you know and the, the, you see a little bit of a shift currently from fighting to joining and yeah that that's that that's our that's our game we we want we want to be uh, yeah we want to be adopted with everything so we are we are absolutely in the, uh, uh, going into the right direction so it's interesting <laughs> i did a tiktok on this one too abs i think we're I just pop up my TikTok pages. But what's interesting, and actually you sent this article, which was a great one. But what I found more interesting isn't the sentence that's highlighted, but the very next sentence that's not highlighted where it says, however, crypto assets related activities may also pose risks related to safety, soundness, consumer protection, and financial stability. Now, why do I think that's the most important sentence? Because they want, they want this technology because the sentence above that you have highlighted. They see the opportunity. However, what does it mean? Well, to get that opportunity, the sentence below is significant because they realize there's issues that need to be solved first. It's regulation. So this is that last sentence is what tells me regulation is coming. They're going to have to bring regulation to solve the safety, the soundness, the consumer protection, the financial stability that then enables or unlocks its potential to use the, the technology for this opportunity. So for me, 
That's what this is really to me. This is just already for, foreshadowing or projecting that regular. We already know it's coming, but this is just more evidence from the Federal Reserve now saying, hey, there's something here, guys. We want it. We see it. It's there. Now we just have to put the protections in place first before we can get it. It's just another another piece of the puzzle that regulation is coming. Uh, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of when, not if anymore. Awesome. And we're going to continue to bring the XRP content this morning as former comptroller of currency Brian Brooks predicts a settlement in the XRP lawsuit. This is very big news. So Brian Brooks predicts the outcome of the SEC versus Ripple lawsuit. Brian Brooks said that in court, said that the court is in a position to decide the security status of Ripple's initial coin offering conducted in 2013. Brooks pointed out that it will determine the security status of XRP is now and not how it was used 10 years ago. According to the SEC, assets can change in their nature as time and they grow to achieve utility and decentralization. We actually have a quote from Vitalik Buterin. We're going to show you guys where he called Ripple XRP decentralized all the way back in 2013. So this decentralization narrative around Ripple, it's continuing to grow. Here's the most important issue about XRP is that there's a difference between the way the asset was distributed and the nature of the asset given the moment in time. And I think that the issue is whatever happened to the original distribution of XRP tokens 10 years ago, whether that was a security or not, that is what the court will decide. The question is whether XRP is a security today. The answer is that the SEC itself has said the asset can change their nature with time and can achieve utility and decentralization. Yeah. To summarize what he's saying here is that he believes in 2013, when they had their initial coin offering, it may be a security. The SEC may go as far to classify it as a security a decade ago, but clearly as more utility and more decentralization has come into this project, it's a different asset. It's not operating the same way. It doesn't have the same right. use cases. Johnny Crypto, I'd love to start with you and kick it to Gonzo. What's on your mind? I think that's exactly the situation. That's exactly what's happened. We know that the SEC had said assets can change their nature over time. And, and I think everybody in the world here and all the folks on this panel would agree that Ethereum and XRP was a security the way they did it in 2013. There's no question about it. I wouldn't argue it. You'd lose. What we're saying, though, is while it might have been back then, the way it's being used today, it's almost the complete opposite. I don't think anybody can make the argument that it is a security today. It's a currency. There's no question about that either. And that's why I think at the end of the day, what you're going to see, Abs, and I've been saying this from day one, is a settlement. A settlement makes the most sense because we're talking about something that was a security before, but isn't a security now. So you're not, you, you can't, you can't have it both ways. So what I think you'll see is, I mean, they'll try to fight and push this thing, but I think I agree with Brian. I think we're going to get a settlement. I don't know when the hell we're going to get a settlement. They keep pushing it on and on and on. I have no idea when that's coming anymore. I've completely, it's kind of like the flare launch. Like who, who gives a shit? At this point, I don't care no more. It's never going to happen. You don't know when. I just wait for when it happens. It happens. Maybe it's the end of this year. Maybe it's sometime middle next year. But what I do believe is when it does happen, it'll be a settlement. It won't be a decision because there's no way, there's no way in the world the SEC is going to take the risk of losing this case because I don't think people understand if the SEC loses this case, they lose their power because of precedence. And Gonzo can explain that even better. But if that really goes against them, they're screwed in the long run because you can't use that same thing because they'll always come back to this case and they'll point to it. So this thing, ain't, in my opinion, ain't going to the end. It's going to go to a settlement somewhere in the middle. I don't know when, and that'll be good for all of us. And Brian sure. Brooks agrees, Johnny Crypto. I want to read one more quote before I kick it to you, Gonzo. It says, I will just make a quick prediction that there's a settlement that will be done somewhere. The settlement has to do with the distribution of tokens so that existing token holders can continue to trade and find value in them in as many ways as they'd like, Gonzo. 
Sutterman is predicted there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, um, Johnny's right. You know, they don't want to set that negative precedent towards the SEC where they can't regulate in the future. And the other big thing is I don't want I don't think they want those emails to get out. That's why they have fought it tooth and nail. They don't want that scandal. Um, so uh, that leans towards a settlement, right? And Deaton has talked about this before. That was the whole issue with with the lawsuit, the way that they filed it against um, against Ripple, right? Um, because they could have easily just sued them for the fact that they sold the security back then, but that it's not a security right now. The fact that the way they did the lawsuit is they said basically that it's a, it was a security back then, and then any secondary sales is still a security, and that messes up as a that messes us up as investors. So um, I, I think that's that that's spot on, right? When we talk about settlement, they can easily say, okay, XRP was a, a security the way you guys rolled it out, pay a fine. But now there's so much utility in decentralization that it is no longer security. And then that clears it up for us to be able to, um, you know, invest in it and, and, you know, for exchanges it to list it and things like that. Um, that's what I'm leaning towards is some settlement, but I promise you that Ripple won't just settle unless they get the clarity that they need, right? Um, and, and I think that's the clarity that that, that we're looking for it, is that from this, from whatever point forward, it is not a security uh, because it has utility and is decentralized. John and Crypto, we actually have a video from William Hinman in 2018 talking about how Ethereum was decentralized enough to not be considered a security. I would argue that XRP is actually more decentralized at this point in particular. What does this article say to you? The fact that XRP, not only is it changed as an asset, but it's not operating as a security anymore. I mean, yeah, it's, that's, that's what the article says to me. I totally agree that it is not a security anymore. They're not, they're not making a, they're not offering it and making a promise to gain anything. Right. And that's really what a security is now. It's just being used as a firm form of currency. I mean, the, the bank just adopted it the other day. They're going to be used on its ODL. It's going to be used to, it's going to be used to solve, you know, remittance issues, currency. It's going to, it's going to balance the books. It's used as a freaking currency. So, I mean, that's where we're headed with this technology. That's where I think Ripple is today. If we were in a court case Today, why do you think the SEC picked 2013 and not 2020 to, to go after Ripple, right? Because in 2020, they lose. We know that it's not being offered as a security uh, today. So I, I just think that this is just, um, there's something else going on in the background here, guys. We're not going to know the agenda until, I mean, they never know the agenda. But there's a reason why they picked this company at that time period and delaying it for this long. And I don't know the answer. I don't know. Don't know if it's because they got a bone to pick with Ripple because they had a fight and the big boys decided we're going to shut these guys out. Or it's one of those things where they, they want this out and they don't want this thing in anybody's hands because they're going to do something big with it. I don't know the answer. We're going to find out. I just they can't will, wait. Johnny, they will, they, 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 the intention is to slow down the development of XRP. That's the idea. Because there are already so many big parties involved in Ethereum. So that, that's a threat for, for Ethereum. So I think that's the whole idea about it. And in the end, both parties need to win. So where, how do they win? And that's exactly what Gonzo explained. The, the, the SEC should win a little bit and XRP should win a little bit. So the, 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 the fruit is somewhere in the middle. And if they find the political correct uh, uh, yeah, way to give them both a little bit of, 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 okay, you know, you're a little bit right, you're a little bit right, then... And then they, they, they play the game a little bit longer until 
the Ethereum uh, development and all the investors there say, okay, it's good enough, you can go, then there will be green light and then will the, the lawsuit will be over. That, awesome. And I want to give our listeners just a quick rundown of the timeline real quick. Motions for summary judgment are expected on September 13th. Opinions are expected by October 18th, while replies to any opposition are due by November 15th. Phelan predicts that Judge Torres' final decision will be made sometime around March 31st, 2023. And I feel like that's perfect for this channel, Johnny, because we always talk about how 2023 is the year of what? Institutional adoption. This could be another example of that. If we have regulation around XRP, I can only imagine that the switch, the flip will be switched, my friend. But I do want to continue with our next article for today because we have so much XRP information. We're actually showing you a document from the World Economic Forum stating that restricting investors might help the cryptocurrency market. If you read these quotes, they're a little bit nefarious, if I can use that word. But what it tells me is that they don't want everyone having access to these financial abundance opportunities. They know generational wealth is going to be created in this market, and they're going to use the narrative of protecting investors as a way to keep unaccredited investors out of these projects. We already saw what happened in Canada cash flow. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. In Canada, they restricted anybody from buying more than $30,000 worth of any cryptocurrency that wasn't Ethereum, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash. This is another example of restricting investors. What does that mean to you? Yeah, you know, actually, to my ID, the, the bankers and, and the government, they are just afraid. They are afraid of losing control. And and and, and but they also see they, they cannot keep, uh, keep keep withholding it. So they have to find ways to uh, yeah 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 to allow it, but then as slowly as possible. You know, in in 2008, the banks uh, yeah they, they wrecked the, the the financial system. Now a, a lot of billions of dollars went into the financial the, the financial system into the banks. They all have their their bonuses again, and actually at this moment we are again into in, in, into a dive of of breaking down with the financial system. So. But it, it becomes for the people, it becomes more and more and more clear how money works. I mean, that it, it is not a coincidence that money is not thought or educated in schools. How does how does money work? It is not on the curriculum or on the on the on the yeah on, on the program, but what you learn and in schools. So there is really a reason. And you know, and, and the more the more uh people start understanding how money works the more freedom there will for the people and that's what i'm really looking for and you know that's why we are here in the 3t academy gonzo i would love to hear some of your thoughts on this article we know that the world economic forum's agenda is that by 2030 you're going to own nothing and be happy apparently that includes cryptocurrency what does this article mean to you gonzo yeah you know it's just more the same it's just more of them you know eradicating the middle class um, you know, Yusko had talked about this, about how it's just another way to funnel money up to that top top 1%, eradicate the middle class, and then the poor get poorer, right? So then you're either just going to have extremely rich or extremely poor. Um, that, that's kind of what they're working towards. So everything that they do, all the policies and all the things that they back is just a way to keep um, the rich people richer. Right. Because just because um, you make a certain amount of money doesn't mean you're smarter financially than than one of us that doesn't make. Right. We know that your credited rules. I think it's more than two hundred thousand dollars a year. 
But just because you make $200,000 a year doesn't mean you're more financially sound, right? Like what Andrew's talking about is correct. They don't teach this stuff in school or in colleges, right? Uh, and it's up to everybody to kind of educate themselves and become more aware financially. And I think that's one of the biggest things that happened to me um, as I got into cryptocurrency and started to learn about blockchain and the asset class is I became a lot more financially responsible, right? Um, you know, I'm more on a budget because I want to be able to invest a certain amount of my income back into this asset class. And while that's crypto or stocks or real estate, whatever that is for you, you should have something that you should be investing in to counter what's happening with inflation. Thank you so much, Gonzo. We got 215 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Elbow that like button. Johnny Crypto, I got to get your take on this article. We know that they're restricting investors, and we know that they don't want anybody to own anything by 2030. Apparently, assets fall into that class. What does this article mean to you? Just the fact that they're trying to restrict investors from having opportunities within this crypto market. You know, so trying to read this article, I'd, I'd like to see even further below, but it's very interesting because it seems like they're kind of concerned about <clears throat> whether investors would fall under the 1933 and 34 protection acts or not. Meaning, are we talking in credit investors or non-accredited investors that can play in this space um, through the loans that the banks would be generating, which would be based on blockchain technology. And they talk about, I'm trying to really understand the article and what they're really trying to get at. Cause it's interesting how they're talking about, they're worried about, look at the very last sentence. This could provide the impetus for a court to classify the loans as securities. Well, that's kind of exactly what we're having right now, an issue with the SEC going after Ripple. So maybe that was the plan. I don't, I don't know. It's very interesting. I'd like to see the, the remaining article to see what they go on to say uh, as to what they're really trying to drive here. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, I guess if they feel they can limit it right now, that'll prevent I think if they, I think what they want to do is knock out the non-accredited investors. This way, it makes it easier, and they don't have to worry about this thing being classified as a security. But the funny thing is, Congress can make the laws; they can write the rules, and then none of this even matters. You don't have to worry about the courts deciding because Congress could say what's a security and what's not a security. And they kind of come out and said that already. They've already said, "Hey, BTC and Ethereum, I think, are commodities, and the rest of they'll have to go figure it out." But that's kind of where we're headed already. So, how old was that article? Abs? Was that like 2018? Um, that article, let me double check for you, Johnny. Give me one minute. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. I'm just curious if that's an older article or a, most, a more recent article since we've had, um, adoption or is that something before, you know, we, I'm not sorry, not adoption. Yeah, already. it's difficult. It doesn't actually say the date on this article. It is from the digital asset investor. I'm going to check out his video he put out today. Maybe he indicates how old this article is. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, we do have a bunch of... Go ahead, Johnny. Yeah. I was just saying it is fascinating that the mindset is, you know, trying to limit and restrict the market. And we're seeing that happen in Canada, right? We just talk, talked about that last week, that Canada is now being limited in what they can buy. That may be an effect of something like this, right? An overall World Economic Forum plan saying, hey, let's kind of limit. And you're going to see it get pushed out through Canada. What's interesting is when you looked at the chart you pulled up a while back, Canada actually had, I think, three or four of the boxes green. And so they're kind of leading the way. But I don't like the way they're going. So that's very, very interesting. Awesome, Johnny. And we actually, we're going to hammer the Ripple News today because we found some documents from 2013 exposing the game with Ethereum founder Vitalik Buterin. So anybody who doesn't know, Vitalik actually started off as a Ripple employee back in 2013. And we have a quote from Stephen Thomas, former Ripple employee, talking about how Vitalik Buterin stole many of the ideas for Ethereum from the Ripple network. So later in 2013, a young Bitcoin developer crashed on my couch for a couple of weeks while visiting San Francisco. In the afternoon, 
he would come to the Ripple office and join our discussions about smart contracts. His name, Vitalik Buterin. And these conversations led him to incorporate Ripple's key and value data structure into the Ethereum network. Yes, this quote is very important, but I have another one I want to read for our listeners. Here, here's a quote from Vitalik Buterin talking about Ripple back in 2013. He said, although what Ripple has accomplished is impressive, with Ripple, we have a way of sending, receiving, and holding any currency, not just one specific currency, in a decentralized way. He's exposing himself here. He called Ripple XRP a shitcoin when they were sued by the SEC, but here he is promoting the actual utility and decentralization of XRP. Johnny Crypto, floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, so this is what I was talking about earlier, right, where the, the advantage of Ripple is, it's like, for example, it's ODL. It doesn't use just Ripple, or XRP, sorry. It can use other technologies. Um, so for me, that is what's interesting is they've opened the door. And so the RippleNet technology, which the company Ripple will benefit from, not XRP, is impressive because it can do anything. Um, and then you see here. So I guess that's kind of one way to kind of, you know, like, hey, he's trying to shit out of Ethereum. <laughs> you, know, thing, you know, they're limited to this one cryptocurrency, whereas Ripple is, is very multi-chain or multi-currency, if you will, allowing its flexibility. But it was designed for that. So I would expect that. Whereas Ethereum was designed more as a smart contract platform, not necessarily a, a cross-border payment system. They're two different things. They're apples yeah. and oranges. But it's very interesting that, that Buterin was there early, early on. Who knows what ideas he stole from from the Ripple as a company or at the time OpenCoin, whatever it was called, yeah. and, and adopted some of that technology into Ethereum. Very, very interesting there. Um and I wonder if someday there'll be some lawsuits on that. You know, we, we saw the, the Winklevoss twins sue Facebook, right, for stealing ideas. Who knows if somewhere down the road there's some potential here. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, I, I'm definitely with you, Johnny. And when I saw them, David Schwartz and Vitalik Buterin beefing on Twitter, it gave me a good laugh. But Gonzo, the sentence that stuck out to me in this sentence actually didn't have anything to do with Ripple. It says a young Bitcoin developer crashed on his couch, meaning Vitalik Buterin actually worked and developed Bitcoin. We've talked about how Homeland Security tracked down the developers of Bitcoin and found them in California. Well, here we go. We got Vitalik Buterin in California. What does this article mean to you, Gonzo? Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's funny. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, a young Vitalik got those ideas uh, and he stole them and then he, you know, turned it over. Just like, um, I'm not saying that Charles Hoskin and stole anything from Ethereum, but just like he saw an, an issue with the way that Ethereum was, and then he created his own blockchain um, with, with the fixes, right? Johnny talks about this all the time. Um, I, I, I just think it's hilarious, right? Because really what this space needs, instead of these guys being so tribal, and that just goes for investors too, right? Instead of being maxis and buying into these narratives is really to move the, the asset class forward. We need to all kind of support each other, Right. Um, and this is something that coach talks about where the top 1%, they usually get along better, right? It's a lot of show when they go back and forth, but they get along better than we do, right? And if we could all get along better, if we could support these different blockchains, uh, it would be better as an asset class, which makes it better um, as an investment thesis for all of us, right? But you get this real like tribalism, toxic, maxi stuff. You see it on Twitter all the time where there's only one. There's going to be more than one, right? These are technologies, right? And so there, I'm leaning towards there isn't going to be more, just one, right? There's going to be more than one. Um, and then we just got to just see how it plays out. And this 
is another example of that, Gonzo. Andrew Cashel, I am coming to you on this article because we have a massive update for Hedera. As the Bank of Ghana is utilizing MTech Inc. to build their CBDC solution on Hedera, Hedera will play a paramount role in the transformation of Africa's financial infrastructure and bring financial freedom to the people of Africa. We know central bank digital currencies are coming and they're coming fast, but they're being rolled out on Hedera's network in Africa. What does this article mean to you, Andrew? Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting that they do it with uh, Hedera. Um, I was I was not aware of that, but if they can do it, it's only good. And I think there are a lot of unbanked people in in Africa. And if 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 blockchain is their possibility to become banked and at least have a have a wallet and and somewhere where they can store their money, you know, I'm I'm so happy for those people that these possibilities will open. And if Hydera Hashgraph can do that for them. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about it. Awesome. And I'm going to go a little bit rapid fire on the news because I want to get into this article as Samsung Securities, among others, are planning to roll out crypto exchanges in South Korea. Samsung Securities is going to be launching their crypto exchange in 2023. And it's going to happen in South Korea. Johnny, I know you're just learning about this news, but you're a technology guy. How do you feel about Samsung now publicly promoting this stuff and getting involved in, in exchanges? So when I'm in Korea, and I've been out there and you're driving on the highway, all you see are LG signs and Samsung signs. That's it. Those two companies run the whole entire country. So if Samsung's getting into something, it's going to happen. Korea will be loaded with, it's going to happen when Samsung puts their mind to it. This is big news for, for South Korea and death for Samsung. I just want to say to True Dougal out there that, yes, if Skeletor had a son, Skeletor... <laughs> Vitalik would be his son. <laughs> awesome, guys. And I do want to go a little bit quick. We've got 37 million XRP went to Kraken FTX today. This is big news, Gonzo. I know you use the Kraken Exchange. How do you feel about nearly 40 million XRP being transferred to Kraken? Yeah, you know, it just depends on what they're using it for. We see these kind of articles all the time where they move XRP. Um, but I I know. So I, I, had, uh, I had lost my two-factor authentication, so I had to reset it, and it just... Took me a while because I didn't have the time, but I finally got into my, my Kraken account. I didn't have anything on it, but I'm definitely going to start using it again. Awesome, guys. And You're I do muted. want to show our listeners a pretty funny video here because we're talking about electric vehicles. The world is going electric. We're going to show you guys a video about electric vehicles and how they are truly powered. We're going to let this play and get some comments from the group. Do us a favor. Smash that like button on this beautiful Monday. Thank you for joining us. It's not very loud. Oh, the battery in this particular design is a T-shape. So I'm not sure if the audio is clear on there, but what she goes to do is she says that, well, this is an electric vehicle and this is how it's powered and they plug it in and they're very impressed by all of this. And then they say, well, where's the electricity coming from? And they say, okay, well, we get it from this department. So they go and they interview the head of that department and the head of that department says the electricity comes from burning coal. So we always talk about how these things are going carbon neutral, zero carbon emission, but it's funny because burning coal is actually worse than gasoline. Johnny Crypto, we got like 30 seconds here. Why don't you bring us home? Yeah, that's exactly the funny part about electrical. At the end of the day, if you're not getting it from solar or wind, <laughs> basically it's no different and it's actually less efficient. So you're burning more coal. It's just a complete joke right now. I mean, when we get to pure true solar form, you know, and so and there are a lot of wind and solar forms. Then maybe someday it will be, you know, 50 years from now it will be. But right now, today, it's hilarious because it is cold. 
or or the drilling of oil and gas that's our primary uh sources for electricity and so it's it's no different it's just a narrative that people are getting played by and tesla's making a shit ton off of it esg that's a whole narrative environmental social governance is all, all a narrative right hundred percent. And we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Andrew Cashflow. And thank you to the Godfather himself. We got 187 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Elbow that like button. We're going to see you guys in 23 hours. Like we always say, warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. Love you guys.